it to the book of um, First Kings. So if you open your Bibles in First Kings chapter 3, First Kings chapter 3, let's look there at verse 7. First Kings 3. One of the greatest things I, I loved about Bible study is that when I went to college, it helped me tremendously because by the time I got to college, we were pretty much in the end of the, no, when our pastor left, we were in the book of, was that Galatians, Acts? In those books and uh, especially through to going through the Old Testament, when I got to do the Old Testament survey and <laughs> New Testament survey. What a blessing that was. But anyway, let's look here in First uh, Kings chapter 3. Let's, let's look at verse 7. And it says, And now, O Lord my God, that has made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered, for uh, no counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech blessed, of, I'm sorry, pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And the Lord said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for, uh, for thyself long life, neither Add, ask it riches for thyself, nor ask the life of thine enemies, but thou hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I, give, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which also has not asked both riches and honor, so that there shall uh, be, uh, not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways, it's, it is right here what God says. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David walked, then I will lengthen your day, thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he, came to and he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered a burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. Let's pray heavily. Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. I pray, for, Father, as we look at this partic particular chapter, Lord, give us something we can uh, apply to our lives, Lord. We can uh, uh, live in a, a way that glorifies your name, Lord. And I pray, Father, uh, give us an understanding heart as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about a different king. A different king. So, if you observe people with interest, okay, you will find out that every single person is different. All right, let's look around. From the sound room to everybody, I think that all of us are different. Don't you think? We're all different. You know, uh, we think different. We speak different. 
we act different, we react different, we have different temperaments. All that is different, and praise the Lord, we're different. <laughs> praise the Lord, we're different. It's good to be different. Imagine if we all think the same way and answer the same way. So we say something, and everybody goes, "Oh yes," you know. Oh no, no. So, I mean, you know, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> so you know, it's God. It's wonderful that God made us different. You know, and you have, you know, those. Uh, uh, I, I like to compare this to, uh, some people don't believe that, but I like to compare to, uh, you, guys, you folks ever watch Winnie the Pooh? See the human temperaments? If you look at human temperaments right there in Winnie the Pooh, you watch it. You got rabbit. Uh, rabbit is like a drill sergeant, you know. You know, he's like, you know, there's no joy in there. Ba-boom, 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 you know. Then you have uh, Eeyore. Oh, well, whatever. I like one when, when show that they had Eeyore is coming down the river with his little things out and, and his tail wiggling and, and there's a fall and they're saying, you are, you're going to fall. And he goes, oh, well, I will fall. You know, <laughs> as an Eeyore. <laughs> uh, you know, you got these different temperaments. Then, he, you know, you have, which other one? I would, oh, you got Tigger. Tigger is always, you know, boom, boom, he's always jumping. Uh, you see, I've seen Tigger and uh, you guys going to watch Winnie the Pooh tomorrow, I know. Uh, then you got Tigger and, uh, and Rabbit together. They don't get along with each other. You know, it comes, it comes, rabbit is fixing his garden, right? And he, everything is nice, and, and he comes, take a boom, 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 all over everything. But anyway, because, you know, he saw that the human temperaments, they know why? Because we are different. Isn't that? I mean, I'm, I'm definitely different than Eric in the sound room. I mean, I'm different than Joseph, and he's my son. I mean, you know, I'm different than Brother Rosado. Definitely different than Robert, for sure. But, you know, we all different. We different. So we are different. So we think different. We act different. We speak different. That, this is the way God builds us, and that's the way we are as humans. We do not think the same, the, the same way. Neither we, we act the same way or speak the same way. So I, in our message tonight, we are, looking, we, are, we are going to look at a new king in Israel on which goes by the name of Solomon. So Solomon was the son of David and Bathsheba. We know that. So now when a new person, a new person gets placed in a, a place, uh, gets put in a place of power, we have a tendency to compare that person with the previous one. Don't we do that with our presidents? This guy is no good. The other one was much better. You know, oh, this guy is much better. The other, I couldn't wait for that other guy to get out. Why? Because they're different. Their policies are different. They talk different. You know, they act different. I remember when uh, First Baptist, many years ago, it was my church where I got saved, when Pastor Strickland left, another pastor came in, Pastor Andrew Goad, that was his name, and the people in the church tried to compare the poor guy to the, they tried to make him, you know, oh, he's not like Pastor Strickland. I'm like, I'm like no, he's not, he's a different person. So, I you know, it's hard, but when you, listen, that's a human tendency to compare now, here is the same thing. So, for an example, when Solomon ascended to the throne, the people of Israel soon learned that he was not David. Solomon was a scholar, not a soldier. Solomon was a man more interested in building than of, of fighting battles. Solomon chose to live in luxury. David enjoyed the single life of a shepherd. So you see a big difference between the two, even though it's father and son. Both David and Solomon wrote songs, but Solomon is better known for his proverbs. We have many uh, 
Uh, we have many David so songs in the book of Psalms, but, but, uh, but except for Psalm 72 and Psalm 127 and the Song of, of Solomon, we have, uh, we have none of Solomon's uh, uh, 3,000 songs. So anyway, David was a shepherd who loved and served God's flock, while Solomon became a celebrity who used the people to help support his lifestyle. When David died, the people mourned. When Solomon died, the people begged the successor, King Rehoboam, to light the, the, the heavy yoke his father had put on, on their necks. So we see a bad, big difference between one man and the other here. David was a warrior who uh, put his trust in God. Solomon was, a Solomon, I'm sorry, Solomon was a politician who put his trust in authority, trustees, and achievements. But King Solomon was among the wisest, I'm sorry, I'm putting it this way. King Solomon, listen to this, was among the wisest fools that, uh, that whoever wore uh, a, cr a crown. He was a, a wisest fool. That's what he was. Solomon is mentioned nearly 300 times in the Old Testament and a dozen times in the New Testament. He's listed in, in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1, uh, uh, 6 and 7. So he is cited as an example of splendor uh, in Matthew 6 and Luke 12. In wisdom in Matthew, uh, Matthew 12 and Luke 11, uh, 31, he's identified as the builder of the temple, Matthew 7, 47. And one of, one, uh, uh, one of the, the call knee, uh, needs in the temple was named after him. So anyway, his father David was recognized as the ideal leader, and his record became the standard by which every success, uh, succeeding king of Judah was measured. However, nobody pointed to Solomon as a good example of a good, godly ruler. Nobody did that, because he was not. Chapter 3 and 4 describes events that occurred during the first three years of Solomon's reign before he began to build the temple. So now, with all this information in contrast between David and Solomon, let's look at this message tonight, a different king, from several points. Okay, number one, Solomon the peacemaker. We see, look at verse 1. It says, And Solomon made an a affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her unto the city of David until he made, he made an end of building his house and, the house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem around about. So Solomon's name be, uh, comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. And during his reign, his kingdom was at, at peace with his neighbors. As, as his father David had risked his life on the battlefield to defeat the enemy, the enemy nation, uh, uh, but Solomon took a different approach to enter uh, international diplomacy. This guy had a different approach. Wonder why he had so many wives. So this guy was after a young woman that he could marry with and make peace and peace treaties with other countries. Yeah, I wonder if he even knew the name of his wives. I mean, so many. I wonder if he had, like, maybe a, a book or something with their names on. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, uh, that we see them as method of peace. Uh, look at there in, uh, look at verse 2, and it says, And of, and, uh, of the nations concerning which the, the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go unto them, neither shall they come unto you, for surely they, they will uh, turn your heart after their gods. Solomon clave uh, unto these in love. And verse 3 says, And he had 
700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. Folks, I'm going to say something here tonight that probably uh, some people on, on social media, or maybe even you say, Pastor, uh, maybe you're just old-fashioned. I'll tell you what. When you marry outside of your faith, you set yourself up for that right there, what happened to Solomon. I've seen that many times. A girl goes and meets a guy that is not even a Christian or anything. He goes through the motions, make believe that he got saved and all that. Sits in the church. They got married and boom, they're gone. She's gone. He's gone. And if you talk to him, he says, oh, I don't have time for that. And we say, well, they never change me. Yes, they will. That's what happened to Solomon. If Solomon was ma would marry within Israel, that didn't happen what happened to the, his reign in Israel. But you know what? It says right here in verse 3 that it says, it says, and his wives turned away his heart. Whose wives? The one he married. Mar wives from different countries, different, different cultures, different beliefs. So Solomon met with peace was very ungodly, folks. He was, he was not God, it was not God honoring. It was full of self-interest and self-promotion. He was loaded with lust. Now, the Lord calls us to be peacemakers on earth, doesn't it? We are to be peacemakers. The Lord says in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So we are called to be peacemakers. So the Lord commands us also that if possible, we are to live in peace with all men. Romans 12, 18, if possible, as much as life in you, live peacefully with all men. Now, this peace that God is talking about is not a worldly peace. You follow that? It's not a worldly peace. It's not a peace made with others where uh, we uh, lower our standards and compromise our beliefs. That's not a peace. That's not that peace. You know, and that is exactly what Solomon did here. He lowered his standards compromises beliefs for the sake of promoting himself and make peace of other and other countries and in return he went and married these these women and came back to that bring him back to to the land of Israel and those women changed his heart and you say and I say I don't ever never change my heart really really so Solomon told the same thing but his lifestyle drove him away from God he made treaties with all the rulers by marrying their daughters, and, with, uh, and which helped to explain why he had 700 wives and who were princesses and, seven and 300 concubines. He appears that Solomon entered into a treaty arrangement with uh, every ruler who had a marriageable daughter. Yet Moses, in the law, warned the Jewish kings not to, uh, not to multiply wives. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14 to verse 20. So uh, his first bride, uh, bride, after he became king, was the daughter of Pharaoh of Egypt, Israel's old enemy. He started good. He went and got a first wife out of Egypt. Why didn't he marry to him within his land? This alliance indicates that Egypt had slipped much lower on the international scene that Israel was, uh, was now much bigger at that time because uh, Egyptian rulers didn't give their daughters in marriage to the rulers of another nation. Solomon's complex system of treaties here 
caught at the very heart of Israel, unique position as the people of God among, uh, among the nations of the world. So they were God's holy people, a chosen people, uh, among the Lord himself uh, uh, anyway. But let me put it this way. God calls us to be a separated people. Right? True? Uh, some people today, I have a whole book at home called about separation. And if I, <laughs> if I preach out of that book, some people are like, oh, that's an old-fashioned preaching. You know, we don't. God calls us to be. God, let me put it this way. God doesn't tell us to go put ourselves in the shoebox and hide ourselves from everybody. That's not separation. That's isolation. All right? Separation means, you know what? I live. I'm a Christian. That's who I am. I don't lower my standards to accommodate you. You like me as who I am. And if you don't like me, okay, then don't like me. But that's who I am. See, King, De King Solomon right here, he lowered his standards in order to appease others. See, God wanted, wanted to be the head uh, of the nation of Israel, but because of, of, uh, of the compromise, of course, Solomon compromised the whole nation here. Solomon may have uh, thought that he was making political progress by bringing Israel into the... the into the family of nations. Let me put it this way. Isn't our churches today compromising the word of God? I mean, listen, we can, we can sit down and have hundreds of pastors from different denominations, whatever, and, and everybody comes out with their opinion because everybody have one. But, the, but the, 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 the final saying is, what does God say? That's what we come down to. It's not my opinion. It's not your opinion. It's not your opinion. It's what, the, what does God say? And I, I'm looking as a, as a Bible student, right, as a student of the Bible, I look at the Bible and I look at the condition of our world, especially among so-called Christianity, and we say, we're in the world. We are literally compromising our standards for the sake of accommodating people. Is that right? Solomon did that, and what happened to him? We should never compromise for the sake of accommodating others. Or they either, you know, they, they, they get, take, I mean, accept us for who we are, or they don't. Number two, we see Solomon the builder. Solomon the builder. We see this in verse uh, 1. It says, until the, towards the end of the verse, it says, until he made an end of building uh, his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. So Solomon is remembered as the king uh, during uh, whose reign the temple was built. His alliance was uh, with the king of Tyre gave him access to fine timber and uh, skilled workmen. He built his own palace. He built a house in Jerusalem for the, his Egyptian princess, Second Chronicles 11, uh, 8, 11. David was a conqueror. Solomon was a builder. Two men with two different gifts, and both were used of the Lord. The church is full of gifted people, folks. Get this. The same can be said of every believer in the church. We all have different gifts. You agree with me? We all have different gifts and different abilities. And the Lord will be glorified through you if you use the gifts and talents that God gives you for His honor and glory. The problem is many Christians don't. 
But God wants to give us those abilities for us to use that for the Lord. I mean, I don't know what abilities you have. I know what I can do. But let's use it for the Lord because God gets glorified with that. David and Solomon, their father and son, they were totally two different people. Like so many of us, Solomon was not a warrior himself. I'm not a warrior. You know, I'm not going around conquering nations. <laughs> I'm not a warrior. But God can use me for who I am. He can use you for who you are. But though Solomon was concerned about the security of the land, so he expanded his strength, uh, of course. This was, uh, Solomon has a special interest in horses and chariots, and he built stables and special chariot cities. He became a horse dealer by buying and selling horses. He built store cities in, 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 in strategic places. We see this in, in uh, chapter 9, verse 15 to 20, 2 Chronicles 8, uh, uh, verse 1 to 6. So Solomon is known for using his peaceful uh, treaties and, and by as many marriages and also about for multiplying horses and depending on chariots. Cont uh, contrast to, uh, uh, to what God's command, Solomon went back to Egypt for both, uh, for, for both. So get this, the king was required to copy out for himself the book of Deuteronomy and we wonder how Solomon responded when he, re he, read, uh, uh, he read about the many wives and many horses that he had. So Solomon was a builder, and he did a good job uh, building. But he violated the law of Moses, not only by many marriages, but also by multiplying horses and depending on chariots. Isn't he supposed to depend on, to depend on God? He didn't. Solomon reigned uh, the outward splendor and wealth of Israel only, only masked an inward decay that led eventually to division and then destruction to the country. What happened when Solomon passed out of the scene? Sometimes we say, oh, it doesn't matter what we do. It matters, folks. When Solomon passed out of the scene, what happened to the nation of Israel? It split. Who started that? He did. It was just a matter of time. And when he passed out of the scene, here you go Jeroboam and Rehoboam, boom, boom, here goes the nation. Sometimes we think what we do is not important. Folks, it is important. It affects other people. And Solomon did what he did here. It affects the whole nation of Israel. People were sick of, it, of him by the time he was, he was out of the kingdom. So number three, you see Solomon's, the, Solomon the worshiper. We'll get this as we travel through the book of 1 Kings. So Solomon certainly made a good beginning. There was love for the Lord, and he walked in the ways of the Lord as did his father. So get this, a good beginning, get this, doesn't guarantee a good ending. Let me repeat that. A good beginning doesn't guarantee a good ending. There was another king who had a good beginning and a bad ending. His name was Saul, the first king of Israel. Saul started with humility and victory, but he ended by rejecting, by uh, being rejected by the Lord, and committing suicide on the battlefield. Get this: all Christians start with a good beginning. A person gets saved; that's a wonderful beginning, isn't it? A person is in the cesspools of sin, was lost, condemned. 
He got saved. He's a child of God. He's been clean. He's been made new. He's growing, you know. He's, he, the zeal is there. But it doesn't guarantee he has a good ending. It doesn't mean he's, he's not going to heaven. That's not what I mean. So don't misunderstand me here. It means different ways. So may I'm going to explain to you. So, let me explain to you here. We start with humility and humbleness of heart. But unfortunately, there are many Christians who don't stay that way. And instead of having a journey of joy and blessings, they have a journey of pain, disappointments, headaches, all the way to the finish line. It doesn't mean they're not going to heaven. But I tell you what, God, even we're going to look at this, these verses again, and the Lord says, if you walk in my ways and obey my commandments, don't you think the message is for all of us too? God says, if you walk in my ways and obey my commandments, I will bless you. You know what, folks? God will do that. The problem is, do we really believe that? That's the problem. Do we really believe that God will do that? So we all have a good beginning. We got saved. We become children of God. But as we journey through our Christian life, if we don't stay put, if we don't keep on obeying and following the ways of the Lord, we will suffer the consequences along the way. And some of them can be very painful. So, letter A, we see the consecration. The consecration. We see this in verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4. It says, only the people sacrifice in high places. Uh, second, First Kings chapter 3, verse 2. Because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father. Only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. And the king uh, went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that uh, was the great high place. And a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. Now think about it. A thousand burnt offerings. You say, wow, that's a man after God's own heart right here. Well, what happened to, to him in, in the days after that? His heart went in the ways of his wife. And he lost focus on the Lord. Folks, let me put it this way. We have a very tempting world around us. You understand that? We have a very enticing word, uh, world. Let me put it this way. Did you ever went fishing? Nobody likes to fish. All right. Did you ever went fishing in a clear water on which you can see almost the bottom? And you put the bait in there and you just move the bait. And you go, and you feel bad for the fish. I, I feel bad. I go like, you dumb fish. Don't, don't bite. Don't bite. And he goes, gets the bait. And he, 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 he caught himself. Listen, we live in a world like that. It's an enticing world. And let me tell you this way. It's up to us to stay strong and faithful to the Lord. It's up to us. See, Solomon worshipped the same God that you and I worship. He allowed the world to shape his mind. So the Bible tells us in verse 3 that Solomon loved the Lord and that he walked in his ways, the ways of the Lord, as did his father David. For this verse we can see that Solomon started the right way. 
He saw the way his father David walked with God, and he followed the footsteps of his father. You see, God purposed that the people of Israel have a central place of worship and not, and not, uh, 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 and, and not imminent the nations of, in Canaan by building high places, however they choose, whatever they choose. So when Israel entered the land, they were instructed to destroy these high places and the idols that were, that were worshipped there. We see this in Numbers, Deuteronomy, in many other passages. So having until the temple was built and centralized worship was established in the land, uh, the people of Israel worshipped the Lord in high places. In time, the phrase high place began to be used, uh, uh, used to mean a place of worship. And the Jews worshipped Jehovah in these temporary shrines. So Gibeon was such a sacred place for the tabernacle was located there. At, first, uh, at the first step towards the, uh, the construction of the tabernacle, David had moved the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, but the rest of the tabernacle, including the, the altar sacrifice, was still in Gibeon. So this place was located about five miles, I believe it is, never been there, five miles north of Jerusalem. So Solomon assembled the leaders of Israel and arranged for them to go to Gibeon with him to worship the Lord. And we see this also in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse uh, verse 1 to 6. So this event would not only be an act of consecration, but also uh, would manifest to the people the unity of the nation leaders. Imagine if our nation leaders, instead of pointing fingers at each other or talk down at each other, would all get together and go to the house of God and worship them together. Imagine that. I remember 9-11, what happened? You saw it on TV. Do you remember that? What our leaders did? Right in front of the White House, they were singing Amazing Grace, and they were praying. Sometimes it, unfortunately, takes those types of disaster for people to acknowledge God. But imagine, imagine if our politicians will go to the Washington and White House and had one purpose, to serve the people of the land and to do it together. Instead of taking personal interests and instead of going there and say, oh, not for me, not for you, you know, just keep on going like, no, no. Imagine if they'll be all together and get out of there and go to the house of God and worship together. Can you imagine? What a testimony to the rest of the nation. So Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord as he and his officers together praised the Lord and sought his face. So the burnt offering... Uh, uh, the, the burnt offer, total dedication to the Lord. Let it be, we see the revelation. Look in verse 5. It says, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what should I give thee? That's the first Kings chapter 3, verse 5. Get this. They, assemb they assembled together, uh, they uh, uh, lasted all day, and the people remained in Gibeon for the night, including King Solomon, who is giving a remarkable dream from the Lord. Let me put it this way. We go to church for about an hour and a half, and we think it's a long time. <laughs> Those people were there all day. All day. <laughs> so, David, his father, had uh, uh, both Nathan and Gad, the prophet, as his counselors, but it seems to have been no prophet in Solomon's cycle of advisors. So twice the Lord spoke to King Solomon through dreams. We see this first Kings chapter 9, verse 1 to 9. This passage right here. So the Lord sometimes communicated 
his message through dreams not only to his own servants but also to those of other nations such as uh, Abimelech, uh, the Egyptian servants of Pharaoh, Genesis chapter 14, uh, and Pharaoh himself, Genesis 41. So Solomon heard the Lord say, Ask, what shall I give thee? So the Lord commands and questions with the revelation of God's grace as well as a test of Solomon's heart. The word ask is found 80 times in this passage. So it was a test of Solomon's heart. God asked, said, Ask, what do you want? Can you imagine that? It's like giving a blank check. I said, hey, I'll give you a blank check. Just put a number there. So, get this. Get this. What people ask for usually reveals what they really desire, and what they desire depends on how they envision their life's calling. Had Solomon been a warrior, he might have asked for victories over his enemies. But he saw himself as a youth leader who desperately needed wisdom so he adequately could serve the Lord and God's people. He saw the need. At a point in his life, he said, I cannot leave this people, Lord. Give me wisdom. That was like a humble heart right here, a heart full of humility. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for anything. He just asked for wisdom. So Solomon's success uh, succeeded David, David his father, Israel's great, greatest king. And Solomon knew that the people couldn't help but compare and contrast father and son. But even more, he had been called to build the temple to, of the Lord. Let me put it this way. We do the same thing, folks. We compare. That's a human way of doing things. We compare presidents with presidents. We compare preachers with preachers. I went to a church in New Hampshire. It was three of us preaching. Three preachers. And believe it or not, they compare us to each other. I got an email. And they described the way we were. I couldn't believe that. I was like, this is beyond me. And I like this. Uh, it was a brother that sent me an email, and uh, a very linked email he said, brother, it was wonderful to hear you uh, preach and so-and-so uh, and so-and-so. And, so and, so. and I was like, let me describe how I view all three of you. And, and I was like, oh, my word. But anyway, it's amazing what people do. We compare it. And, you know, I went there with one purpose. I didn't go there to be a better preacher than the other two. I didn't. I already had my message already written. I didn't sit down and say, okay, let me be the last one. If I'm the last one, I already know what they preached. I'm going to come out with something. Actually, I was the first. <laughs> I was the first one. So, you know, but people compare. That's a human way of doing things. So people compare. I believe that people in Israel in those days probably sat in their houses and compared King Solomon to the previous king. So Solomon knew that he couldn't accomplish such a great task without wisdom from heaven. So he, he had the vision from the Lord, and the Lord asked what he wanted. And he asked for wisdom because that's what he needed. And the Lord granted what he asked because he asked with a humble heart. Let us see. We see the petition. We see this from verse 6 to verse 9. And Solomon said, Thou showed unto thy servant uh, David my father great mercies according to all that he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great uh, uh, kindness 
that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servants in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered, nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servants an understanding heart to judge thy people. Can you imagine if Solomon would stay the whole, all of his life this way? But he didn't. Solomon's prayer was brief and to the point, and, he was, and it was spoken with true humility, for three times he called himself your servant. So number one, Solomon expressed gratefulness for the past. See this in verse 6. He, 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 for the past, for about his father. For Solomon review the past and thank God for his faithfulness, steadfast love, assure, assures it to his father. I tell you what, I think we Christians, we should do that too. Sometimes you need to look at the past and give God glory for the past, for the victories, for the way he guided us and took care of us in the past. You know, we should do that. Be, be grateful. I mean, I look to the past and I look the day I got saved. And I praise God for that. Praise God for the man that took time and opened the Bible and showed me from God's word how I could get saved. I, I look back and I saw the people that discipled me. You know, I look back and saw the people, the men that God put in my path to help me with to be of sound doctrine and to love God and to, and to know how to live for God. I, I look in the past and I praise God for that. Number two, uh, Solomon expressed gratefulness for the present. In verse 7, he also confesses usefulness uh, and inexperience and therefore he's in desperate of God's help. He sees his condition. He said, Lord, I can't do this. I'm just a young kid. How can I take care of this nation? So he expresses gratefulness. Lord, I need you right now. He calls himself a little child by saying that he's a, he's a mark of both honesty and humility. The phrase I know now how to go in or go to, uh, or go to, uh, how to go out or come in refers to giving leadership, leadership to the nation right here. He doesn't know how to deal with it. Number three, Solomon expressed gratefulness for the future in verse 9. The king concluded his prayer by anticipating the future by asking the Lord for wisdom to, to, that he needed to rule the nation. Not, like, not like right now, Lord, I don't know how to go in and go out. I don't know how to take care of this nation, but I need wisdom for the future, Lord. Folks, let me put it this way. Here's one thing we need to ask God is for wisdom. Isn't that? Because we need the wisdom for each day. We really do. Lord, give me wisdom to live my life one day at a time. We need that wisdom from God. Because we live in a very, very trying world. Get this. There are many people who are smart enough to make a good living, but they aren't wise enough to make a good life, a life of fulfillment that honors God. And if you go on my Facebook page, that statement is right there that I put that tonight. So there are many people who are smart enough to make a good living. There are many of them, but they aren't wise enough to make a good life, a life of fulfillment that honors God. You don't have to have thousands of dollars to have a fulfilled life. You just don't. Solomon asked God to give him an understanding heart because no matter how smart 
how smart the mind may be, if the heart is wrong, all of life will be wrong. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The world translated understanding means hearing. Solomon wanted a hearing heart. True understanding comes from, a, from hearing what God has to say. Now, when you read your Bible, when you have your devotions, hear the word of God. Because when you open God's word, God is going to speak to you. That's God's word. That's God's living word. That's not the words of man. So I'm telling you, if we want to hear the word of God, we need to know, open our ears and our heart. And when you open the Bible, God will speak to us every single time. But we need to have a hearing heart. Lord, speak to me. That's why it is vitally important that we be, listen to this, students of the Bible. It's vitally important that we be students of the Bible. We, as God's people, should know the Bible more than anybody else. Now, a non-believer could not come to us and teach us the Bible. That is a shame to any of us. If an unbeliever come to you and teach you the Bible, you know what that means? He knows more about your father than you know about your own father. That's what it means. Letter D, we see the appropriation. The appropriation. We see this from verse 10 all the way to verse 13. Look what it says. And the speech pleased the Lord. Then Solomon had asked this thing. Wow. God was pleased with the prayer of Solomon. You know why? Because it was a prayer of humility. Let me put it this way. Every time you and I pray with a humble heart and humility, it pleases the Lord. It does. Get this. God always gives his best to those who leave the choices to him. We can choose as much as we want and make our own decisions the way we want. But when we put our lives in the hands of the Lord and let him choose the path of which we are to walk, God always blesses us with his blessings. When you read the book of Proverbs, you can find the love of wisdom and the practice of discernment can lead to these actual blessings. Look what it says. Proverbs 3, 1. My son, forget now my law. That's wisdom crying, the book of Proverbs. If you read Proverbs, it goes like this. It's wisdom crying out to you and me. Look what it says. My son, forget now my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments. Verse 2 says, For the length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Verse 10 says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy press shall burst with new wine. Verse 13, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Verse 14, For the merchandise of, of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof of that fine gold. In verse 15, she is more precious than rubies, and all the things that cast desire are not to be compared unto her. Wisdom cries out in the book of Proverbs. Read the book of Proverbs. Very practical for each day. The obligation. 
verse 14. Look what it says. If thou wilt walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. In every generation, this passage, that passage by the Lord's message uh, uh, for those who follow him is loud and clear. This passage right here. If you walk in the ways... If you walk in my ways and keep my commandments, I will bless you, guide you, and give you extra days on earth. Do we really trust and believe that God will do that for us? I think that many Christians think that if they live according to what God says, they're going to be the most boring people on planet earth. And life is going to pass them by. And they're going to be the most... Miserable people, needy people, and, and you're going to miss out in life just because we live in according to what God says. I mean, I, I think some Christians really believe that. Such thing is not true. The problem is when we walk away from the, the paths of the Lord and statutes and commandments of God, that's when we make a mess out of our lives. We got to trust. Folks, trust means trust. You follow that? Trust means trust. Lord, I'm trusting you. Do we really trust and believe that God will do that for us? Is there any reason for us not to believe in such a promise? Folks, if we can humble ourselves to put our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and receive Him as our Savior... And believe that to be true according to God's word. Why we have a problem trusting God with our lives? Why do we have that problem? The Lord here in verse 14 reminds Solomon that his obedience to God's covenant and his devotion to the Lord would be the key for future blessings in his life. So God promised to, 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 to give him extra days, of course, in life if he obeyed his word. He, uh, he would be, uh, a, a, and uh, I don't know what I wrote here, but anyway, I moved on. <laughs> it is unfortunate that Solomon, with all of his wisdom, forgot to keep this part of the agreement and gradually drifted into sin and disobedience, and God had to chasten him. So get this, Solomon started the right way just like Saul did he he went uh, and for the he went he was he went he walked with the Lord and he asked the Lord for wisdom but he didn't finish right verse 15 tells us that Solomon had a sensible heart towards the Lord just like his father David look what it says in verse 15 it says and Solomon woke and behold it was a dream and he beca- he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant and offered uh, up uh, uh, burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all of his servants. So, so when Solomon returned to Jerusalem, he went to the tent, the house of uh, 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 the tent, the house, the ark, and there he offered more sacrifice. So the ark represented the presence of God among his people. There we know that, and the rule of God over his people. So Solomon acknowledged the sovereign rule of God over his own life and he, and the life of the nation. So in other words, Solomon knew that he was second in command, not him. God was in control. Folks, the same thing happens to any of us, when we begin to forget 
the basic truths about our God, His Word, we get ourselves in trouble. I cannot emphasize this enough. Read and study your Bible. Read your Bible, study your Bible. Be a student of God's Word. Don't read it just for readers. Read it as a student. You don't have to go to a college or a seminary to know your Bible. You don't have to do that. You can't know the Bible as much I know, and Brother Rosario knows. Read, be a student of the Bible. Be ready to give an answer to those who ask of you. The hope that is in your heart, be ready to give them an answer. Be solid, be unmovable. Solomon, why I'm saying this? Because Solomon started right. He followed the footsteps of his father, which has a, was a man, he was a man after God's own heart. But when he began to look at the woman of this world, those women changed his heart towards God. I conclude with this. There are many lessons we can learn from the life of Solomon. First, when we seek God with all of our hearts, he will be found. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7. Second, those who honor God will be honored by Him. That is, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 11 uh, to 13. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3. Thirdly, God will equip us to accomplish the tasks He calls us to if we will rely on Him. Fourth, the spiritual life is a marathon, not a sprint. A good start is not always enough to finish well. Fifth, we can't sincerely ask God to incline our hearts towards Him, but we will wander off the path of righteousness if we choose to violate His revealed Word. Sixth, those close to us will affect our spiritual lives, and we must therefore be very careful of the company we keep with. Be careful because bad company can corrupt your character. Be careful. Seven, uh, life lived apart from God will be meaningless regardless of education, fulfillment, fulfill goals, the greatest of pleasures and the greatest abundance of wealth. Life without God is meaningless. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for this passage of Scripture. There's a new king in town. His name is Solomon. And, Lord, he started right, but he didn't finish right. Help us, Lord, to, all of us, we started right, Lord, help us to finish right. Lord, to trust you, even in this trying world. Lord, help us, Lord, to stand fast, stand strong for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.